0: Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here today. And I'm especially thrilled to introduce today's guest, Yvonne Talley, who is the author of Breaking Up With Busy. And I was just telling Yvonne, welcome, Yvonne. See, I got so excited. I forgot to tell you in our pre-chat that I often like stack up thoughts in my own head and they just come out of my mouth without even giving a break. And you can see it already happening. But welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you, Kim. Thank you. I need to break up with busy myself, but I would love to hear, before we even start talking about that, what your journey has been and how you even got to the point of writing your book.
1: Well, it's been part of the process, I think, to get to the book, has been experiencing my own busy lifestyle. I started writing the book several years ago and then completely rewrote it after I'd had what I call my wake-up call. And that was I um, was so busy helping others to live a healthy and vibrant life. And I missed my own signs of being overscheduled and busy you know, the crammed schedules, the sleepless nights, the, I was raising my daughter as a single mother and this fast pace, uh, landed me in the hospital. And I thought I was having a heart attack when in fact I was having a panic attack brought on by stress. And it scared me enough to make my lifestyle shift. And what was ironic about it, Kim was here I was an organic eating exercising, healthy, positive thinking person, and I missed my own signs. And I thought, you know, if this could happen to me, if I could bring this into my life and miss this altogether, then there's got to be a lot of other people out there. The story's got to be bigger. And at that time, I was working with primarily women as clients. And as I began to share my story, their stories also came out. And I realized, yes, this is definitely something that I need to address. So I first set out to create my own solutions for myself. And again, the irony of that was that I had been sharing those so many of them with my clients all those years, and not applying them to my own life. So I organized that and developed more and put them in the book. And here we are.
0: You are talking to one of those women who has done the exact same thing. I mean, I've been recording this podcast for two years. And I share self-care systems and support. And just four months ago, wound up in the hospital myself for the very similar reason. It wasn't a panic attack, but it was failure to see symptoms that I was facing in my own health. And in the end, I thought I was having a heart attack. I was a week away from turning 39 and I was dealing with all the heart attack symptoms. It's like, Kim, when are you going to learn? And I still haven't learned four months later, like I, my schedule is still a little bit Okay, totally honest, a lot more packed than I would like it to be, but you got to stop being busy and and just make time for you. This week, it's when is the day that I will actually have a block of time so I can go and sign up for my YMCA membership so I can start working out and taking that time for myself, but then there's something that has to come off my plate or a whole bunch of things that have to come off the plate. Do you see this as being a common thread, even amongst health and fitness and nutrition? And and I'm only picking on those, but I, I ask because we hear about so many doctors who are going through their own struggles with anxiety, depression, overweight issues, just because they're so busy taking care of other people that they're not taking care of themselves.
1: Well I believe that in I do believe that in the field of uh, healers and service providers and people that are coaches and lifestyle consultants, that we're in this field of caring and giving and, and providing solutions to other people. So our nature, our nature by large is going to be to help others. However, I always say we can't help others until we help ourselves first. That's a very common statement that we hear many of us say. But when we ignore those signs, we can't sustain that level of giving. We have to be able to give to ourselves first. And as a former flight attendant, I always remember that it is important to put that mask on yourself first. And we always often hear that as a reference, um, kind of as a scenario of taking care of ourselves first. However, it's absolutely essential that we do that. And you started your question with, when is the day? So when we ask the question of ourselves, when something is, we have still not given ourselves permission to be able to take that first step towards what it is that we need. And it's very important that we identify not only what we want, I want to join the health club or the YMC, I think you said, when are the things going to come off my plate so that I can do that? Well, first of all, we have to take what that statement is really about. And I'm using this just as an example.
0: Oh, please pick on me. Like, (laughs) coach me. You're going to help other people. Seriously.
1: Because I think you bring up a really good point, Kim. And that is this one thing. I I need to go work out. I need to exercise. I know it's good for me. I need to meditate. I should eat better. And we should, should, should our way through life. But if we could just pause for a moment and listen to the words that that we're telling ourselves. And you're not alone in this. I do it. Everybody does it. That should, should, should. If we just change that one statement, that one word from should, I should go join the health club. I should work out. I should break up with busy. And changed it to could. That's when we begin to give ourselves permission. I could go sign up at the health club. I could uh, eat better. And I could do things more for myself. So I'm caring for myself. Then we start that ball rolling, that positive kind of frame of mind or resourceful frame of mind. And then the mind, of course, will begin to look for things to fit into that. So the first thing we have to do is figure out what we want. But from there, we need to figure out what do we need to get to that want. And the second question is, what will change when I have, quote, what I want? And how will I know? What will be different? So that would be the first step to changing that. It's about Permission. And whenever I speak with a client or before a group and I say, you've got to give yourself permission, no one else will, there's kind of a chuckle in the room because that chuckle typically is, yeah, I get that, and I haven't done that yet. So it's just, it's that one step give yourself permission. How do you want to feel in life? Do you want to feel frantic? Do you want to feel scared that you might be having a heart attack? Do we want to feel in all those ways that we don't feel as though we can? change the course of where we're at, asking yourself what I want and how do I want to feel will then begin to help you move towards permission and start to make some of these shifts.
0: Oh, I could just give you a big kiss. (laughs) Last week, I had a chat with Perry Marshall, and we were talking about the 80-20 rule. And immediately I was like, oh my gosh, I need to let a couple clients go because 20% of my clients were making up eighty percent of my stress, and I was making up a fair share of their stress too and It wasn't a should I actually did I just went and did it. You just gave me a an amazing kick in the bum that when my day is done in my business today, I can and i will i give my permission to or myself permission to. Actually, just go pick up my kids and take them to the Y right away and just get it done. I don't need to schedule it into my calendar. I've got enough stuff in the calendar.
1: No. And if we look at it in a way, I mean, that could be, hey, we're going to go on a field trip. Oh, they're going to love it. We've got an adventure. This is a really cool place type of a thing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we all have to sell our kids on stuff. (laughs) All the time. Uh, And even if they push back, that's okay. Because the example that we set for, and I'm glad you brought up kids. The example that we set for our children, when we set our boundaries, and when we care for ourselves, and when they see us taking time, they might say, oh, you're always at the gym, or or whatever it might be. We are showing them the road to setting healthy boundaries, to caring for ourselves, in a way that's not selfish, but is self-care. And this is an important thing for our kids, especially today when there's so many distractions coming in full on, day in, day out with technology the way that it runs and is in our lives now so much. So you doing this for yourself, each of us as parents, setting these boundaries, caring for ourselves, having that space of time where you nourish your mind, your body, and your spirit all together is going to teach our children at least how to do that for
0: themselves. You just gave me another one. Because up until now, I've been thinking, when am I actually going to go? When do I have time to go? I am self-employed. I didn't, I didn't create my business to be running on other people's schedules. So why am I telling myself I need to get up before dawn to go to the gym when I can schedule into my day the time that I will take for my self-care?
1: And that's a big one. You just said that schedule, because if you put into, you know, we talk about schedules and calendars a lot as far as how we can manage our lives. And, and it is, it's a really tactical way of doing that. And visual way of all of it just really helps many people. Some people not so much, but others, yes. And when you schedule in the time for yourself and you make that important, then you're giving yourself again, you're giving yourself permission. Again, you're teaching your children how to do the same thing, But you're also making a commitment to yourself. And it has to have a value to it. For us to really continue and sustain a new, develop a new habit and then sustain that habit, we have to have a value attached to it. So when we ask ourselves, how am I going to feel once I start my, we're using exercise and joining the club as an example, but how am I going to feel when I begin doing that? How am I going to feel after? And that's what I always try to get people to focus on is what I call the afterglow. The workout might only last 30 minutes, which is great, but the afterglow is going to last 23 hours and 30 minutes because throughout the day, throughout the evening, even during sleep, you're going to be giving yourself a pat on the back, an energetic pat on the back for having done what you made a commitment to do. And, you know, we do this all the time with other people in our lives. When we make a commitment, we say, no, I told them I'd be there. I told them I would do X. So I'm going to make that commitment and fulfill that and move through that. We also need to do that for ourselves.
0: Oh, my gosh, you're so right. And it needs to be an unnegotiable. That's actually part of the reason why I wound up in the hospital. I had allowed client work to cancel repeated doctor's appointments for blood tests that I needed. I have a thyroid issue. Mm -hmm. Thyroids can mess up our bodies so much if we're not watching them, especially if we already know that we have an issue. But I had canceled that appointment so many times because I was not in control of my calendar and I was putting everybody else's needs before my own. But that should have been an unnegotiable. It, It needs to be an unnegotiable. And it can be if we set it up that way.
1: Absolutely. And that's, you know, we can't take it. My mother used to always say, and I never got this, but she used to always say, you can't clean up someone else's backyard until you clean up your own. And I remember, you know, this was a woman who raised six kids, mostly on her own. And so each of us had chores and each of us had things to do and responsibilities to make the family go. And I didn't really understand what she said, what she meant when she said that until I got later into life, into my 20s. And I went, oh, yes, now I understand. This means I've got to take care of my own business first before I can start offering assistance outside of that. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be unhelpful. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be of kindness and service minded. It means that we have, there's some essential things that we have to care for ourselves first so that we can be more of service and open and kind and willing to be a participant beyond just what we have within ourselves.
0: I can totally see that. I mean, I was talking about self-care on the podcast before I had my own little mini meltdown in 2016. You would think I would have learned the first time, but sometimes it takes a couple of times getting hit by the plank on the side of the head to get it through our heads. Is it just me? <laughs>
1: We, we, yeah, until it shows up in a way, and we are ready to acknowledge it, that's when we can, can begin to make those shifts. Sounds like that was what happened to you last time when you were at the hospital. It, it certainly might take away from when I was mm-hmm. in the hospital feeling like a fraud. I felt like a complete fraud. Here I was, the one that was helping people live a vibrant and healthy, dynamic life, and, <laughs> and I wasn't even doing it for myself. So it was a blessing. Right. One, and I chose to look at it like that. And from that, many blessings have followed.
0: How do you feel about the phrase, your mess makes your message?
1: I think that it can certainly. I don't know that that's always going to happen. I, I would be more probably inclined to say that your mess can make your message if you're choosing to listen to it. Love that. And and if we're not, it's just going to be another quote mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to be in that place where it, it's just like our kids when we <laughs> we spend all these years telling them things and we feel like it goes in one ear and out the other. And then they come home from college and they say, you know, I had a conversation with my boyfriend or my best friend. And they said, and in that sentence, that person, that friend, that boyfriend, whoever it might be, says something exactly what you've been teaching that child all those years but now they're ready to hear it. Now it makes sense mm-hmm. to them. But we've, we probably have primed them to be ready for it. But nonetheless, we have to be ready to receive the message.
0: I am that college kid. I will hear the same thing over and over again. And then finally, it just hits me. Like, and my husband, he's amazing, but he's actually said, you know, I sort of told you that a couple years ago. I was like, I know, but I wasn't ready to hear it. I'm also one of the most stubborn people on the face of the planet, I think. So I really, I have to be ready to hear anything. But in 2016, Yvonne, I don't, I don't, and just for the listeners who this might be their first episode, I have five children. I have three-year-old twins and a four-year-old and a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. So after the twins were born in 2015, I was chasing income. I had no idea what impact I was trying to make. I had no idea what my purpose was. I thought it was to make money. <laughs> a sense changed. I was sleeping two to three hours a night trying to bring in that next dollar. And I crashed, really hard crashed. And I got it through my head then that sleep was totally necessary. So I did bring that part in and I gave myself permission to sleep. It's amazing how much giving yourself permission to sleep, just a first step, can do to change your life. And then there's the other steps that have just taken myself longer to give myself permission to do.
1: Well, Awareness cannot be undone. Once we're aware of whatever it may be that comes into our space, once we receive that, awareness. We can't undo it. Once it's there, it can serve as a real moving point for us to move into another direction, drop off something, get rid of something, bring something in, whatever it might be, change an attitude, a belief, whatever that might be. Uh, So just being able to speak about what we're speaking about today can offer awareness to others, ourselves, as we share our conversation. And if we're busy, we are going to we're not going to hear that. We're not going to see it because the distractions of busy keep us out of our mindful mind and keep us in a pace and our bodies and our minds get used to that pace. And then we have a difficult time disengaging from that pace. And that's really at the crux of, of what busy can do for and how it can impact each of us. And when you have five kids and you are an entrepreneur, you're working outside of the home, whatever it might be, or even if you have one child, it's still a balancing act for all of us, especially women. You know, two-thirds of us working outside of the home have school-age children that we have to care for. And we still do 80% of what's called non-paid work. And that's all of the mm-hmm. things that get our world to move. Doctors appointments, lunches made, meetings, whatever it might be. So we're still doing that. And so we do have a lot on our plate and it does take time to be able to manage and balance that. And if we try to do it all at one time, it just becomes something else that we have to do, something else that we should do. So I always try to get people in a mindset to think about shifting rather than making big, broad sweeps of change. And let's start with the one thing at a time. But what do we have to do? We have to set up ourselves to be in a place and a space mentally, emotionally, physically to have that success moving forward. So we have to clear some mental landscape to make that happen. And that's why I start many people with what I call the magic meditation. And that is, let's adopt a practice that's actually going to help us develop a habit that will continue to help and aid us through life. One minute a day, I tell people to start with just breathe. And this is a real great, strong step in the direction to start creating what we want and start focusing our energy on what we want rather than what we're trying to avoid.
0: I love that. I've noticed, and I don't know if maybe everybody notices this, but if I'm laying straight down in bed and I jump up, I get really dizzy. This might might just not be, or might be everybody, may not be everybody. But what I realized was just the slow transition of setting up, stretching, then slowly standing up. This is making me sound so old, but it gradually gets me in. And while you were talking about the one step at a time, I'm thinking about a fan of dominoes. You know, it could start, you hit one over and then maybe two go over next and three and the effects could be so far reaching. It's like a viral post on social media, right? Absolutely. But it could span out into so many areas of our life, but it's just that first step that's necessary.
1: Yeah, and you had mentioned earlier about when you began your podcast about not really having a clear vision of your, of your purpose and really not clear on what you want to do. And I think a lot of us uh, were, I think we are all in that position from time to time. And if we don't know where we're going, we're going to detour a lot. And that doesn't mean that we have to make life a straight line to accomplishment, but we want to keep what I call our big picture in mind. So if we can create that big picture, we can, and we can create a lot of big pictures or a lot of little big pictures, if you will, what it is that we're trying to bring into our lives. And once we get clear on that and we, att- and we have a value attached to that, like, what does that mean to me? How, again, is my life going to shift or change? How am I going to feel when I have what it is that I'm in that big picture or what I'm bringing into my life or, or taking out? And we have to spend some time in that space. It could be a minute. It could be an hour. But we do have to acknowledge that because without knowing where we're going, we're going to make a lot of detours and we're going to end up in a place that is going to be possibly a never-ending circle of chasing our tail.
0: I have an image in my head while you're going through that. Images that are actually made up of hundreds of smaller images. It could be your face, right? But there's all these little pixels in there that are made up of other images, but you don't really see it until you're up close. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yes. Wasn't that Monet? That that was the painter. that, That was his whole technique.
0: He definitely inspired it. But I'm thinking about modern day photographers, even who take a whole bunch of pictures of different people. And then when you put them all together in different color tones, they make some bigger image out of them. And you don't even realize that they're made of all these little pictures. But the detours are very frequent. And those little goals are constantly shifting. But they can still, like if you were to take a picture of Happy Kim, right? Those little pictures that make up the picture of Happy Kim could be constantly changing. Like, I thought two years ago that more money would make me happy. I'm realizing every day more and more that money is nice. We needed to pay the bills. But whether or not there's a little bit of extra in the account or tons of extra, meh, don't really care anymore. Because that's not what makes the bigger... Mm, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, money's not determining that anymore. Like, it's really the sleep. But the, all those little all those little elements in there are constantly shifting. And I don't know what it's going to be a year from now. But in the end goal, I just want it to be happiness.
1: So we're talking about the ingredients.
0: Exactly. And
1: that's what this is about. And, you know, detours are good because I think it's, what, my reference point with that was that knowing your big picture will allow you to begin to move but we, I also believe that we can be open to the things that show up unexpectedly because I think it's in uncertainty and in the unexpected so often that more blessings, more opportunities can come to us if we choose to look at it like that. And we also allow ourselves to be flexible with those changes. Again, we, purpose and permission and having those goals and setting those are key to being able to accomplish the things that we need to And to have the value attached to that and aligned with our belief structure, all of these things come into play. And also being open to the unexpected can help us to shift and adjust and perhaps go into a different direction. However, if we get into that chasing the tail constantly, then it's time to slow down and say, what what is going on here? What am I doing? This idea of happiness, I think, is really fascinating because happiness we often think is going to be brought to us by things. However, happiness is, gratitude is the pathway to happiness.
0: Thank you, I love that you said that.
1: Yeah, gratitude is about appreciating the small, unexpected gifts that show up. Mm -hmm. And it's also what it does, it does something else. Because within us, when we experience gratitude, it's not only coming from in us and we acknowledge, we can acknowledge that, this goodness within us. It's also coming from outside of us. And that allows us to connect deeper with other people or in a way it expands our connections with other people. And that also can lead to happiness. So gratitude is really what paves the road to happiness. Because unless we are really getting what we need, again, going back to that need and that want, it's going to be the bigger car, the shinier car, the bigger house, the new this, the new that. And when that gets dull or scratched or whatever it might be, we're still going to be in that place of feeling dissatisfied if we haven't met the need from within.
0: Oh, I absolutely love that. You're talking about cars. I drive a 1996 GMC conversion van, and I'm very grateful for it. It gets us where we need to go. It can fit the whole family. I'm very grateful for it. And I'm happy with it. You're so right. I, and I only just in the past few years have really understood how important gratitude is. And to be totally honest, just in the past couple of weeks have I really started a gratitude practice before I, before I jump out of bed in the morning, laying there for a few minutes and being grateful and, and saying prayers of gratitude. And then before I fall asleep at night, doing the same thing. But I've also shifted from the have tos to the get tos, and I think there's so many people that get stuck on the have tos. But so much of our life is about the get tos.
1: Again, that's framing. A, that's framing a, an attitude and approach, and I think that it's important for us all to remember that, you know if you're a woman or a father out there uh, raising kids and listening to this idea of gratitude, are you kidding? I don't have time. You know, I've got to get here. I've got to get there. I'm trying to pay the bills. I'm trying to get the kids to school. And that is what most of us deal with day in day out. However, gratitude can help keep you in that space with a much more joyful heart. And you're going to experience a day quite different than if you're in that, I have to do this. I have to do that. Uh, there's are there's obviously things that we that must get done. And that is when we organize our our calendar, so to speak, I always talk about this. But before I talk about that, I want to talk about gratitude as far as it is a practice. Just like meditation is a practice, just like kindness can be just within us all of the time. But some people have to practice being kind. I mean, they have to find that kind muscle within them, right? But, but gratitude, practicing it, brings more of it in. Mindfulness, practicing it, allows us to access that part of who we are. But this idea, this pace that we keep with the have-tos, it's really important that when we look at our calendar, there's some function here. And that is the have-tos are the must, And those are the things that need no explaining. And we spend an average of about 14 hours a day in this category. Things like the chores, the work, the family care, life management. Those are that takes about 14 hours a day just to do that. There's two other columns I think that is important to add. A want column. And the wants represent, for instance, I want to go sign up at the at the health club. I want to begin working out. That's a want. And they represent both long range goals and lifestyle additions or removals or even replacements, things that we desire. And then there's a third part of our calendar that I really encourage people to put in either, either your mental calendar or your physical calendar. And that is the just because the just because that's an important element to remember in every column and to bring into your life each day. This is where pleasures expand without judgment or justification. These are the I get to's. It could be as simple as taking a walk just because it's a beautiful day or spontaneously grabbing a cup of coffee with a friend, whatever it might be. This is the area within our life that we can ignite our imagination to create something for ourselves to experience that brings just simple delight just because, and you deserve that. You absolutely deserve that. So creating that as a practice can allow you to know that you not only don't have to do it perfect, but that you can practice doing it and bringing it into your life.
0: I'm absolutely in love with that. And I'm thinking in my own house how my husband and I will especially will do things for each other just because. But when do we do the just because is for us and I know that with the two of us those are rare they're few and far between because we don't give ourselves permission to
1: there you go I, I remember my mother again she raised most of us on her own for years she was on her own and there were six of us and there were times when you did not interrupt mom otherwise you were gonna get the wrath of mom these were the times within the day, that she created just for herself. It usually meant that she was in her room with the door shut, probably taking a nap for 15 minutes. I have no idea, to be honest with you. But she created that space of her time. She would also go and take a walk by herself. And again, she worked full-time, many times two jobs, raising these kids, but she found a way to create that. And so I really have to give her props on this one that she allowed and taught us how to do this. How to do this as a adult growing up and then getting to where I am today. This is a practice that now is a habit. And it's something I've taught my own daughter as well. So we can do this. We can teach our kids to do it. We can provide for ourselves by doing it. And whoever you're influencing, even if you do not have children, whoever you're influencing or mentoring in life, these are all practices that you can adopt. And I'm certain that they will influence the people that you're either mentoring or caring for in your life as well.
0: Love it. I had no idea. What was the number that you said? 60 or 80 percent? You said 14 hours a day are the have-tos, right?
1: Yeah, 14 hours a day on the have-tos. And there's a soft landing for most mothers that ends her day at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. They say that's the end of the day for most of us, but that's a soft landing. (laughs) You can add a couple hours on that because that's typically the time that the kids are in bed. And again, even if you don't have children, if if you're a woman, you're still making about 80 cents on the dollar compared to men. And if you're a woman of color, that's about 63 cents on the dollar. And if you have an aging parent, you're going to be the most likely one to care for that parent. So you can see where these... Time start to get strapped, and we haven't even talked about technology. We spend an average of five hours a day on our phone. So there's reasons why we're busy, and there's a reason why we have a lot on our plate. So just being aware of a few of these things, we can start to pull back on them and create some space for us, so that we're in our world in a more mindful, clear thought way, and we feel more refreshed and cared for.
0: Yvonne, do you believe that there is such thing as a possible stress-free lifestyle?
1: I believe that stress is a choice. And I've often gotten, if there was a tomato in the room, I might have had one launched towards me. I believe that stress is definitely a choice and it's a habit. It's how we respond to any kind of external stress. You know, there's good stress too. I remember when I was cooking professionally, when you cook professionally and you've got to get it, you know, plates out with food on it that's a good kind of a stress but when you are in a situation where the stress is coming from the outside in it's how our attitude is about receiving that so when we say a stress-free life so there's good stress and then there's the stress that really takes us down and it's about managing that stress it's about because you can take two people and put them in the exact same situation and if they're emotionally tied to the outcome and the outcome doesn't go the way that they want it to. That could very much create the frustration and the anxiety and the stress within them. And and let's face it, unless we know that that's what's going on, it's just kind of this free-floating stress and we bring it in. And there's always going to be things that are going to happen that we're going to feel stressed about. But it's being mindful is the ability to be able to recognize that and then detach from it. Whether it means to take a walk to take a few deep breaths, to visualize something that's pleasant. These are all different practices that you can do. Hmm. Ever it might be, meditation. I do teach a lot of corporate meditation exactly for de-stressing because it's about creating that space of time to detach from that emotional charge because it's when we get emotionally involved with the outcome that the stress comes in. I mean, watch two people watch a ball game, the, the Super Bowl. Right. One, could be just you know enjoying the beverages and the, and the food and the friendship where there might be another person that is completely invested on who is going to win the game so same situation same scenario but completely different reactions to it so yeah stress is a choice about bringing it in but it's also you know when I say that I don't mean like I choose to be stressed but we can choose not to be by being aware of that disconnection from the emotional outcome or from our emotions from the outcome,
0: I love that I mean going to the gym is going to be stressful <laughs> it's It's physical activity that I haven't put on my body in way too many years, but I can see friends my twelve year old just laughed. I have a friend who just did the Spartan race, and he totally enjoyed it. If you put me into the Spartan race right now, oh my gosh. There will be a link to the Spartan race in the show notes, but it's, it's grueling. Some people love it. Some people may not. Same as the Super Bowl. It's just how you decide to approach it. Who knows? Maybe in five years after I've gotten in shape, I might enjoy the Spartan race too. But if you put me in there today, you could count on more than a few expletives coming out of my mouth.
1: Well, the stress that you're going to experience going to the gym, again, if we reframe that.
0: Uh-huh. It's a good stress.
1: Yeah, it, it can be. If you reframe that into, again, let's just explore and go a little bit deeper. What is the value of, and again, we're using this as an example, what is the value of going to the gym? What are? You, what is your takeaway? What is it bringing into your life that's a positive? Well, you're going to move your body. Well, what does that do for you? Well, if you move your body and you have a practice of exercise and you begin to strengthen your body in a way, then a couple of things are going to happen. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be able to play with your children longer. You're going to feel more confident about yourself, less aches and pains. You're going to get a great endorphin feed when you're there. You're going to maybe develop a new friendship with somebody and a workout buddy. So all of these things, if you keep these things in mind, as you begin this new practice of exercise, and going to the gym, remember 90% of the workout is just getting there. So if you can get yourself there when you get yourself there, then this can also be a really positive experience. So write down two or three of those value driven experiences that you want to have while you're there. And that becomes your workout mantra.
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way, I didn't mean like a bad stress. I just mean it putting my body through more more physical activity than it's seen in a while. But (laughs) I'm actually really looking forward to it. And actually, you have just by having this conversation and by realizing that I don't need to stress myself out, I can and I give myself permission to go in the middle of the day. That by itself is removing stress because I'm not going to be fighting for the equipment in the before or after the nine-to-fivers.
1: There you go. See, you're already in solution-driven thinking, and that's that's the whole key. What is my solution for that? Identify where the stress is, uh, where it's popping up, and then mindfully moving to a solution for that. And that's, that's really the key with mindfulness is that it allows us to get out of our – kind of off our crazy track and back into – okay, big breath, what is the solution here? Let me look for a solution. And in the meantime, I'm going to take a walk or in the meantime, I'm just going to breathe, whatever it might be. Again, these are all really small, practical things that we can do, but I promise you it's going to make a huge shift
0: in one's life. Absolutely. In our family, we've realized just in the past couple of years that there's things that we don't need to be doing. There's some things that can be delegated inside the house to kids who want allowance, right? Dishes, laundry. We don't have (laughs) brand names like Whirlpool. We have brand names like Jacob and Robert. But then there's outsourcing, delegating, even chores or just not doing them like grocery shopping. I can go online and order my groceries. I don't need to spend an hour and a half walking through the store. And that was a big way of breaking up with busy for me.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned something about that give and take, or the, about the kids having chores. Again, that's that give and take. When we are constantly in the giving role, and we can quite often, women, uh, and this is a broad brush that I'm painting with, we quite often are the overgivers in most things. We're nurturers by 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 trade, if you will, <laughs> and we are we're the caregivers. It, it comes with the territory. Some more than less. However, if we're always in that giving role, what are we doing for the other person on the other side of that? Especially if it's our kids, again, anyone that we're influencing, mentoring in life. We are taking from them that experience of giving, of doing something for someone else. Now, kids, when we give them chores and we say this is how it's going to be to run our family, we are a family and here's what your responsibility is part of the family. Then they might squawk and they might not want to do it, which is their job. They're supposed to push back. That's how they create their boundaries. However, the feeling that they will have with being able to be a giver in this situation, in whatever it might be, whatever chore it might be, in the long term is going to be a quality that they can always have a sense about themselves. Ah, This is a good quality. I know this about myself, and when they go off to college or onto their own, they will be have that. They'll have that confidence that yes, I am capable of doing these things because I've done them before. And it's important that we can do them, maybe mess them up, to know that we can actually move through them and get to the other side.
0: I'm, I'm just over here nodding. Sometimes I need a camera because I'm thinking about how I'll teach team members how to do things sometimes faster than I will my own children because I'll do it for them rather than teaching them. I finally taught my, my 12-year-old last week how to make scrambled eggs. He's so proud of himself now. He knows how to make scrambled eggs.
1: Yes, and you can have a lot of scrambled eggs coming your way now for the next several years.
0: <laughs> no kidding. He's out there making me soup right now. I mean, I, I understand there's a difference between soup and scrambled eggs, but he's yeah. being self-sufficient. If I have to go out and he's hungry. He can make himself food, but I even breaking up with busy and mound business has been so hard because I was resistant, I, give, I didn't give myself permission to teach anybody else how to do everything that I was doing. I still haven't, to be totally honest, because I didn't think that they could do it as good as me, or I, didn't, I thought it would take too much time, or 15,000 other excuses. But at the end of the day, I was running up just exhausted just by not delegating. And then when I started to look at the big picture, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's other people out there who are who want work. I could be doing I could be impacting more than I even realized just by teaching somebody else to do some of these things. And I could be freeing up my mind. So it's this listeners, you've heard me talking about how I'm building my team right now. It's a struggle, but it's an awesome struggle. And it it can be stressful answering questions. I mean, it's like a 3-year-old asking why all the time. There's some of that that comes along with it, but it's at the end of the day, it's so awesome to have put in that work even as adults. We're trying to teach our children how to do it, but even as adults, putting it in and seeing and reaping the rewards. I mean, now I get to sleep an extra hour or two if I choose. Because I'm not doing it all. Why do you think that people are so resistant to just letting go? I mean, Frozen, you know, the Disney movie, let it go, let it go. I know it's not exactly the same subject, but we're so resistant sometimes to just letting go of the things that we know we don't have to do. But for some reason, we just won't let it go.
1: I think there's a lot of I think it's probably different for some people than it is for others. But when we let go, we, we often have a sense that we are relinquishing control. We're entering into the zone of uncertainty. And that brings on a sense of vulnerability. And with vulnerability, there's that, again, that, that awkward feel or that, that discomfort of not knowing what's coming next. And this is often why people have, the inability to let go this other idea that you said about, you know, doing too much, and, and they won't do it as good as us. That's another thing too. Uh, letting go means that I've got to give up and let somebody else do X. And they're not going to do as good of a job. And that's going to put me in a position where I might look bad. So it really it could depend on the person. But overall, it's that feeling that I think goes way back to and our ancestors. And that is, Uncertainty was dangerous if we didn't know what was coming around the corner and it ended up being a big woolly beast We had to run the other direction. So certainty was the way that we survived Predictability is the way that we survived. Well, we don't have to run from those things anymore But it's still deep within us. So this idea of letting go doesn't necessarily feel that comfortable however it's so valuable when we start to practice it in tiny pieces And for us to be, you know, productivity, to be productive in life rather than busy, it means that we are going to invest the time up front, the time that it's going to take to teach somebody something. And yes, they're not going to be good in the beginning. We weren't either. That's the beauty of training. And once we've invested that initial time, then that big picture gets fed over, literally, over a longer period of time. It expands out. So this is the importance of letting go is not only we're helping others grow and be who they are or they can be. We are also taking things off our plate, so to speak, and allowing us us more, a greater space to bring things in that are going to actually replenish us and sustain our well-being.
0: Yvonne, let's just imagine that we're talking to another you or another me. Maybe you're you're talking to the you right before you went into the hospital. What would be three to five things that you would tell her right away?
1: Slow down. Mm -hmm. That always is counterintuitive as far as uh, when I say that. And what I mean by slow down is take a big breath, literally slow down. Because if you're running so fast and you're keeping a pace so fast in your life and you've got so much going on, at the end of the day, We end up getting into bed and we go, what did I do? We have that sense of doing too much and nothing at all. So slow down. You're you're living a life, not running a race. Keep your big picture front and center. That's going to allow you to let go of things. It's also going to allow you to create time and space to teach others to do things that can be helpful to you, to the big picture, to the group, to the community, whatever that might be. And then take, this is the big one, take three minutes a day and meditate on what you want to bring into your life. And that will help you get that subconscious brain aligned with what you want and move you out of the worry and fear and discontent of what you may not have.
0: Wow. Sometimes the slowdown is just the hardest part.
1: Yeah. And you know, there's a practice for this. I always tell people to start with this. Slow down the way you talk. Slow down the way you walk. Slow down the way you drive your car. Try it for a day. Now, what is good about this? What is plentiful about this? What is resourceful about this is it begins to bring to your attention, your pace, your race, and then from there, you can start to shift. And when we slow down, we're going to be more likely to listen. Everyone wants to be heard. We all share this. We all want to be heard. And when we listen, we have then the experience of being in our lives, of actually doing what we're doing, feeling what we're feeling, and being what we're being. So it's it's an important thing. Just try those three things for a day, for an afternoon, for an hour, and just be open to what shows up for you.
0: I'm over here laughing because I had so many podcasts in my queue to listen to by other people that I started listening to them on one and a half or two times speed. <laughs> and then I started realizing that I was talking faster on my own podcast. But I've recently unsubscribed. Dear podcasting friends, I'm sorry, but I unsubscribed but all but five podcasts. Because I realized that I was allowing my podcast queue, sort of like the DVR for some people, right? We don't have cable, so I'm not taping TV shows. But I was allowing my podcasting queue to overtake my life. And it was stressing me out to keep up with listening. But now that I don't have 180 different podcasts to listen to, I have five, I can actually take it down to one times. And maybe then my speech will slow down. I moved from New York to Ohio in 2004, and I realized right away, people aren't so rushed. Like, they're not like, okay, what's the point? Just get it to me right now. Like, they actually were okay talking one-time speed. But I think that I've had trouble adapting, even 14 years later. I I need to get to one times. I also find myself doing the same through the grocery. Like I get impatient when somebody is walking really slow in front of me. It's like, Well you just hurry up. But in the car it's not a problem. I'm like, Okay. I'll get there when I get there.
1: It's interesting you should say about that walking slow. I remember years ago my mother when she was still here had surgery and she has always been the type of had always been the type of person that had a pretty quick gait. But when we went to the grocery store, she was moving really slow. And I, of course, was extremely protective. I've never forgotten that. I also remember driving her. I had to drive much slower and how impatient people would get around us. And it wasn't until I had that experience that now, when that happens, I always think of my mother. Like, maybe this person just had surgery. Maybe they got an ache and pain. Maybe that person's driving slow in front of me because they've got an ache and pain, or somebody in the car. So again, it's having those experiences and bringing the value to it that is going to allow us to shift. And again, like you wow. said, at the beginning of this it's it's about it's not about perfection; it's about progress.
0: Yeah, and perspective too. I had never even thought about that. Now I feel rude. Like, no,
1: you're human. We all do.
0: <laughs> but I won't be like, oh. and I've gotten impatient with people who, like, when I take my littles into the store, they'll like huff and puff when my littles are like, hi, how are you? And they, my littles want to have a conversation. They're just like, oh. and I've gotten impatient with them for that, but I've never looked at myself, you know, give this person some grace. You're so right, Yvonne. Thank you. Like, I don't know what's going on with them.
1: <laughs> Somebody once said, I'm not in your hurry.
0: Never oh, forgotten. I love that! <laughs> I could say that to my fifteen-year-old just about every day. I'm not in your hurry. Wow, this has been an amazing chat. You've filled my ideas. See, I'm so excited. I can't even get the words from my head to my mouth properly right now. I, you filled my head with so many ideas. Like, I am. I give myself permission to be a little bit late with dinner tonight. Quote: late. Who who decides if it's late? Um, exactly. Right. New time. <laughs> just so I can just because go to the gym and finally sign up. And in the meantime, my kids can be running all around and burning some of their energy. So after bed, they can maybe go to bed a little bit early. But I'm giving myself permission for that today. So thank you. Thank you. Where can listeners find you online to connect and get to know more? And also, where can they go to get your book?
1: You can get my book anywhere, online, in uh, bookstores. And my website is Yvonne, Y-V-O-N-N-E, Tally, tall com. And on there, I have a, a workshop for Vibrant Living Beginning in September that you can join in.
0: Thank you so much. Listeners, if you're driving, if you're at the grocery listening, if you're working out and you can't write it down, I invite you to go to the show notes page at TheKimSutton.com forward slash pp458 where you'll be able to find the links. And I'd also love actually if you would leave a comment down below of how you were inspired to begin or maybe continue your journey of breaking up with busy today. So just leave a comment down below and I'll make sure to share with Yvonne. Yvonne, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners?
1: I think the golden nugget is to focus on what you want to create, not what you fear. Keep that in mind every time you begin to move in a direction that fills you with tension or anxiety. Reserve your energy, honor your thoughts, and put those two together to create what you want in your life.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast.